1: Welcome back to the Rebel Podcast. Uh, this is P I'm in Garage Mahal. I am not joined by my partner in crime, uh, but I am. What joined- if I try
0: to do his voice? Is that a good impression of Pootie's voice? No? That,
1: that's pretty good. Is that that's right? pretty good. Yeah. Right. It's a bit more like raspy, I sultry. I know. Um, he would say sexy, but, you know, <laughs> he would. But without him here, well. So I'm joined by Andrew DiBartolo, uh, who's uh, our friend, pastor, the host of the Liberty Dispatch. What's your title at uh, Liberty Coalition Canada? The director of operations. Director of operations. It's the official title. There you go. We just call him local badass for uh, Liberty Coalition Canada. Mm-hmm. So head honcho. That's ca- Captain Awesome Sauce. You know whatever.
0: All the things that yes, <laughs> this we most everyone most definitely calls me all those things. Yeah, That's I, I assume so. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Andrew D. Bartolo is with us. Thanks for being here. It's good to be here. I'm glad to be in this. Location that I will not reveal to anyone.
1: Thank you. Yeah, there's uh, you've now been implanted with the chip that will self destruct should you pass on the uh, location of uh, Garage Mahal to anybody else. All right. but, Does yeah. it
0: store my banking information? Does this mean I don't have to? No, we didn't get, get it the from other the chip? government. Okay, no, so I have yeah. to get the other chip. <laughs> yeah, you still, still have to get the other okay. chip.
1: Yeah, we're going to talk about that a little bit. But... If uh, any of our listeners aren't uh, familiar with Andrew's voice, that probably means that you haven't been listening to Liberty Dispatch, which is one of the other podcasts on the Fight, Laugh, Feast Canada side of things. So you should be listening to it. They do some awesome content, keep you up to date on what's going on in Canada. Lots of political news, all from a Christian worldview, really involved in the fight for Canada. And that's really what we're going to talk about a little bit today. But you should definitely be listening to Liberty Dispatch. Best way to get that is the best way to get this show, and that is just download the Fight, Laugh, Feast app on uh, You find us both on the Canadian side along with uh, a, a host of other great podcasts. But you can also find Liberty Dispatch on you know whatever podcast catcher, Apple. Uh, and if you can anything.
0: stand to see our faces, you can check out our stuff on Rumble as well. There you go. We are currently suspended from YouTube because we told the truth and they don't like that so No they don't if so you want to see it, our there, mugs rumble are, is the place to find us
1: Are you guys indefinitely suspended or is there a time limit on YouTube I
0: think it's temporary
1: Yeah I think been- it's our second strike I don't know if it's three strikes and you're out. We definitely have two. We've been in Facebook jail twice and YouTube jail twice, but we're back on both. So hopefully you'll see them on YouTube again, maybe not for too long. That's why you got to invest. You got to invest in Christian content because uh, we're, we're trying to not have to use the enemy's platform to get the message out. Andrew's definitely a guy from behind enemy lines uh, telling the truth. So thanks for joining us today.
0: It's good to be here it's good to have coffee this morning and yeah just catch up a little bit
1: Andrew's uh uh, pastoring up in Kingston so uh he's one of these other pastors that stayed open and has been smeared because of it and lost some people and friends and stuff because of it but really uh shepherding people well through all that so I appreciate your uh your friendship through it all too Mm -hmm. Andrew because uh we lost a lot of good friends but we made uh I think closer relationships so it's good In true rebel fashion, we didn't really have an idea or an agenda of what we wanted to talk about today. But in chatting beforehand, Andrew and I kind of had this conversation uh, without microphones in front of our face. So we wanted to have this conversation with them. And really what we want to talk about is how Canada is a sort of decisive point in the battle for the West. We look at this when we look at what's going on with the World Economic Forum. When we look at some of the policies that have been kind of handed down by Fuhrer Trudeau, there's a lot of tyranny, a lot of uh, really sinister things going on in Canada. You cover a lot of them in Liberty Dispatch. Part of the question, and I'll start off by asking you this question that can lead us into this topic, is why haven't you had the good sense to just leave and go to the States already, Andrew?
0: That's a very good question. (laughs) I've had that question asked of me just this week a couple times. Yep. So what I said earlier, and I've said this before, even on our show, is that in a war, in a broader war, you have it being made up of several battles on different fronts. And ideally, as you win the battles, you push the enemy back and then you eventually take control of their kingdom their nation you win the war you're successful incrementally right so in the midst of these various battles you might reach a point in a particular battle where you say if we win this battle we may not win the whole war but if we lose this battle it's such a decisive point that we will lose the war right we can't recover from it they're too far deep into our territory this is a must-win situation so when you reach that battle what you don't do is you don't say let's relocate, let's retreat temporarily, let's strategize. You say, no, we need to deploy everything we have, all our soldiers, all our resources to win this battle. It is a must-win kind of battle. And I'm convinced with what we've seen in the last three years, especially, but even looking before that, looking at the position that Canada has held on the global stage, that Canada is that battle, and that battle, I would say, is between... Western culture, which is really biblical Western culture. It's built yep. on biblical principles. Yep.
1: It may be a remnant of what it once was, right. but it, but we are still standing in the rubble of the cathedrals that Christendom yeah. built.
0: That's the foundation. Yep. These are the pillars that's that right. hold up Western culture. That's right. So that's the one side. And then on the other side would be a woke globalist elitist statist agenda yeah so that's the battle right now and ultimately its, it's source is satan yeah we see this in the garden yep. we see this all through human history it's ultimately our enemy who desires to take from god the glory that's due his name by coming against his people and ultimately by coming against the son's bride that's so right. that's the real enemy yep his proxy if you will is the wef the un this is his proxy right now. So this is, the, this is the war that's going on. So Canada, I believe, is one of those battles that is a if-we-lose kind of battle that I believe will see essentially the crumbling of Western culture once and for all, like a final, this is yeah. the point.
1: I think so too. And
0: so because I think that this is the point, this, we can talk about all the reasons, whether it's policy, legislation, cultural stuff, the reason I think Canada is that decisive battle When you reach that point in the similar manner, you have to say we need to focus all our effort, our soldiers, our resources to fight on this front because a retreat or relocation isn't going to help us because they're going to come for the whole thing. That's right. So this is the point that we need to stand firm and fight to win this battle. Yeah. I believe that's Canada right now. So that's why I'm still here.
1: Yeah, that's a great answer. And I think you're absolutely right. We talk a lot about as christians looking to take ground from the enemy not merely retreat and save ourselves but looking to actually take ground back we have to talk about this combination of what's both feasible It's uh, jim wilson yeah that's that's right so what's the feasibility of taking something right and then what's its strategic importance so the enemy can play by those same rules the enemy can also see what's feasible and what's strategic in terms of points to take and I think as the enemy looks at something like the states, a behemoth like the states, right, with the population that it has, with as watered down as it might be, a sort of Bible belt Christendom, you know, especially in the southern states. And I think America's crumbling too, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's it's some sort of beacon. Yeah, their
0: foundations might be in better shape than ours. And I think they but they have the rot some, is still it's still there.
1: That's right. And I think that they have some foundational documents that are a little bit more sturdy yep. for them to stand on than we do here in Canada. That's part of it. So I think as the enemy looks at the West and, and wanting to conquer, particularly North America, Canada is that strategic and feasible, right? Our population is about a tenth the size of the states. We have
0: 80% of us are within an hour of the border as well. So 80% of our country is very crammed together along that 49th parallel, so That's, that's to speak. exactly
1: right. And I think that if you look at sort of the world economic Forum in the UN like you and I do as this sort of instrument of, of Satan to crack the foundations of nationalism that have held many countries together under the banner of Christ, quite frankly, for the last several centuries, then you realize that Canada is a place where the enemy has been putting in a lot of work mm-hmm. the amount of politicians on you know both colors both sides of the aisle conservative and liberal who are attached to the world economic forum the u.n klaus schwab the great reset all of this stuff you and i would have been looked at as conspiracy theorists a couple years we ago we still are
0: still are a little I bit i think but more it, pe- i think more people more of might, our prophecies re- have come yeah, true they so. might respect my jewel encrusted tinfoil crown now <laughs> that's true. um right. when they when they disrespected my tinfoil hat yeah that's but right. we're still i mean otherwise we wouldn't have gotten kicked off YouTube. Yeah, good point. We still don't hold a majority position.
1: No, that's true. But I think there's a lot more Christians starting to wake up. But as you wake up, what you realize is that, you know, 80% of our politicians are bought and paid for. And the policies that came down while everybody was in the COVID fog are just ridiculous. Why don't you talk a little bit about that? Uh, some of our listeners, we talk, obviously, we, t- we touch on politics and everything on our podcast, but certainly not to the extent that you do. Why don't you talk just a little bit about some of the stuff that's going on politically that some Christians who've had their heads in the sand might not even be aware of what's going on right now. Like we know about Bill C4 and the anti-conversion therapy, we've talked a lot about that on the show. But some of the censorship bills, you were even telling me a lot of stuff that I didn't know the last few times that we've talked about where we are in terms of digital ID and all that kind of stuff, digital currency. So why don't you talk a little bit about what's going on and why Canada's at the cutting edge of some of this globalist agenda?
0: Sure. And I'll use the, the analogy I used before. I've used this on the show that for anyone who used to, who's ever worked at a sporting goods store or some sort of retail store, you'll normally have head office have a new product that they want to sell. So this particular skate company has a new skate they want to push out. So they won't send that to all their stores. What they'll do is they'll send it to some specific test market locations to see how it works. Now, these market locations won't just get the skate. They'll get the display for the skate, all of the advertising material, all of the stuff to go around it. All of the employees will also be issued a little bit of a briefing on the skate, its info, its specs, its pros, and like all that sort of stuff. Yep. Like From experience, I know this. You, We're going to be launching this new running shoe. Here's yep. the info sheet on the, the shoe, why I need to sell it. So these test stores will get it. And then depending on the success of it, this really determines how they roll it out. They might say, you know what? It's too expensive of a skate to roll out in all the stores, so we'll only go to our higher-end stores. So in this analogy, the WEF the WHO, the UN, the International Bank of Settlements, is head office. Yep. And Canada is the test market where these initial things are being tried here, and the success of them here will determine how they play out. And the analogy fits really well because if the product, right, so the main product ideally is a Marxist globalist utopia. That's the product. Right. But you have subproducts as well. So one of those products could be the jab. Or one of those products could be a central bank digital currency, yep. which the Bank of Canada is in the throes of developing. Yep. Or it could be the digital ID, which ArriveCan was the beta test for a digital ID. Yep. You have vaccine passports, which you know recently I think is the G20 where, or the G7, where all these nations committed to a global international vaccine passport. Yep. So all these subproducts to really get the main thing out, which is a Marxist globalist utopia. So in Canada, what that looks like, and some people don't know the threads, in 2017, 2018, the World Economic Forum put out their idea for what's known as the Known Traveler Identification, or the KTID. And the KTID is, as you're traveling, you need to have a centralized app or location where you have your travel information, your health information, and some of the early adopters or partners are people like Air Canada, hmm. Canada itself, yep. The government of Canada, Toronto Pearson Airport, huh. Trudeau Airport, in Montreal, and then the Netherlands. So the majority of the early adopters are the people who said, we will join in this test market, if you will, We're here in Canada. So sure enough, once COVID is in the midst of taking over our country, who's the first country in the West to implement a digital travel app that has your passport information, your vaccination status... Well, Canada, not the States, not Europe. It was us here. Now, I don't include countries like China in this because they've already succumbed to this monster. So Canada is one of the first countries to implement the WEF's known traveler ID. We called it ArriveCan. And ArriveCan itself is really just the precursor for the digital ID, which is going to have all this information. So you can go to the Government Ontario website and you can read about their plans for digital ID. And essentially it's all encompassing. Yep. It's, I need a license plate sticker. I need to make a doctor's appointment. I need to get medication renewed. It's all centralized in one spot. So there's a clear thread from that to Canada. And that includes a, you know, the central bank digital currency. Again, you want to make a Canada website, we're working on it. Legislatively, some particular bills, you mentioned Bill C-4, which is problematic. Formerly Bill C-6, it was shut down. Yep. And then lots of this stuff pushed its way in the midst of COVID. Yeah when they weren't meeting in person as much and when clearly the population was distracted with what was going on. So Bill C-4 is a big one. Bill C-11 yeah. is another problem. I mean, we, we call it the online censorship bill. It's basically, it basically gives the CRTC vague and vast powers over online news and online media the same way they have over television and radio. So the problem is right now, There's people would say, well, nothing in Bill C-11 says that, you know, they're going to censor you. But it's so vague. Yeah. Well, and, it's like power so vast. It's like C
1: four, right. right? So C C four. Mm. I've I've heard Christians fight back. I, the Gospel Coalition writing articles about how it's the not as The Social Justice
0: as, yeah. Gospel Coalition. Yes, that's exactly yeah, right. To get and the so, name right. Yeah, sorry,
1: and they and and they're de- they're, they're defending elements of Bill C four, saying, well, it, it there there are some caveats that would help a pastor who is accused. and It's just like. Do you not understand incrementalism? Well, it's been never been killing in the hist- us for 200 years. Never
0: in the history of the Western world have we seen a government slowly put things into place and then go farther than they said they would. That's uh, never yeah. That's never happened. Right. <laughs> never yeah. in the history of the government that ever happened before, so, except for yeah. the last three years. So right. Bill C-11 is on the um, Bill C-18. So Bill C-18 is similar. It's actually passed its second reading in the Senate. Bill C-18 will basically require platforms like Facebook and Google to pay news outlets a fee anytime an article is shared on their platform. So if I were to share something from CBC, which I almost never would because it's the Canadian Pravda Corporation, (laughs) but if I were to do that, then Facebook would have to pay a fee to CBC. Now, Facebook, a meta-representative, just this last week, has come out saying, if Bill C-18 passes, we will not allow Canadians to share... Canadian news content on our platforms because it's untenable for us to pay CBC and CTV and global all these fees. So who does this benefit? Well, the first person it benefits are the news broadcasting corporations, which are massively wealthy and inflated already. It also benefits our elected officials. It's a little bit of a hit to big tech, but big tech is just a, a tool that they can use So Bill C-18 will basically make it so you won't be able to find... So like for us, for example, you could probably share us because we're not a news outlet per se, like CBC. But if we want to share an article, we won't be able to. So you're going to cut down the news or access to news that Canadians can receive. Well,
1: and specifically, you'll cut down the non-centralized, non... Well,
0: True North, you won't be able to share an article from True right. North News.
1: Right, Rebel or News, Rebel. any of yeah, that stuff. None right? of that stuff, right, yeah. like news. So, so, you, so won't, you won't actually get the alternative news. You won't actually get the news that's outside of the propaganda machine, quite yep. frankly. I mean, like, we, we can just call it what it is. And on top of that, when you look at what's been able to happen in the dictatorships in North Korea and in China, one of the first things that ends up happening is restriction to the outside world, right? Like a lot of people no don't outside know information what in. Right. Yep. If Canadians cannot share on social media platforms what's going on inside the country, I mean, what better news for a tyrant in Canada who doesn't want the outside world knowing what kind of tyranny they're striking inside the country, right? History is not kind to countries that have gone down this route before.
0: Another one that uh, is, again, most people don't know about this, but Bill C-27 also working its way through, essentially Bill C-27 will amend what's currently known as the Personal Information and Data Protection Act. And so Bill C-27, what's problematic about this is how it will actually share your information or use your information. There's a whole article, we've talked about it on a recent episode and we linked to the bill itself and we link to the government of Canada's questions about the bill. So one of the big problems with the bill is right now, for example, Section 2 allows for the freedom of expression. Yep. However, if there are certain things that we would say, information that's gathered that would otherwise not be able to be used against us, you could allow for the suspension of a Section 2 right under Bill C-27. Hmm. Another example, we, the Section 6 are freedom of travel rights. That again, given certain, which we've already seen has been squashed, right. but Bill C-27, it basically redefines the collection and sharing of your personal private information. Hmm. And so the collection and sharing of personal and private information could be used, There, and they say, the government of Canada says, there could be a link where your Section 6 rights might be suspended yeah, a lot of these well, bills, people don't know. So that would be so another what, one.
1: And so, just just to, if you're maybe not following all of the jargon, just think about it this way: during the convoys in Ottawa, right, the federal government got access to bank accounts of those who donated to the trucker convoy and froze bank accounts. Right? Jordan Peterson actually talks about this. How this was this was one thing that happened in Canada. That too few people are talking about that's actually as bad as anything else that we saw. Think about this. The federal government's ability to go into your earned assets and freeze or take your money because of an ideological difference. That's what happened. And so what Bill C-27 does is it gives them the opportunity. It enshrines in law their right to do just that. Mm-hmm. And so it gives them the legal means by which they can do what they already have done with no legal ramifications. But now there's no legal recourse for those who are fighting that battle in court. Again, it's pretty sinister stuff. It's, it's giving the government power. All of these bills, what's common about them is it expands the federal government's ability to suspend our rights when they believe that our rights ought to be suspended.
0: And that really leads well into something also recently that... Again, Canadians kind of know of, but I don't think they appreciate the implication of it, which is the final conclusion of the Public Order Emergency Commission, their final report. Yeah. So within this final report, first of all, you have to wade through some woke language.
1: So for those of you who are listening, this is the defense of Trudeau's use of the emergency acts during the trucker convoy. And this was
0: the conclusion, yeah. yeah. So, so this the, is the
1: conclusion of that, that whole inquiry.
0: It's called the Emergencies Act, just to downplay it. It's the War Measures Act. It was repealed yep. in 1988 and then renamed Emergencies Act in 1989. So it's the War Measures Act, which has only been used in World War One, World War II in the 1970s when there were actual murders and kidnapping of journalists and political dissidents. So by invoking the War Measures Act, our prime minister essentially declared war on his own people yep. who disagree with him ideologically. That's right. So automatically, whenever the War Measures Act is invoked... It triggers a public order emergency commission to determine if it was justified. And so it ran for about six weeks. It was a clown show watching it in and of itself. Justin Trudeau lied. He definitively lied at this commission, which yep. is astounding. And then all the other females who interviewed him that were pro government were fawning over him it was disgusting.
1: Yep. There is one There's nothing person- about him that
0: makes me makes me think, Oh, women would fawn over him for being a man. He's yeah. He's more of a feminist than all those women are.
1: Yeah, and, and more effeminate. Than, yeah, it's gross. Him. What was interesting watching it is there was only one person who I thought actually asked him reasonable, pointed, difficult questions. It was questions. a convoy lawyer. And it was the convoy lawyer. Yeah. And I thought she did an okay job, but even that, it was very clear that she was working against not just Trudeau, but the, the judge and the court itself. And I mean... There was an uphill battle there.
0: So the final report it's there are five different papers. There are hundreds of pages each. I've read through most of it. It's fluff, it's garbage, it's no. not legal. it's, it's all emoting. Yep. it's all opinions. Apparently everyone's a gnostic. They know everyone's intention. They know the convoy <laughs> organizers intentions. Yeah. they know but the only intentions that are never questioned are that of the state. Of course. They were noble and righteous. So the finding the conclusion was, given everything, Yes, it was appropriate. The state was justified in invoking the War Measures Act. Now, that in and of itself is deeply problematic. Yeah. Because now there's no legal backing behind this. At the end of the day, it's still up to the legislature and the Senate if they want to do something, and they won't. They're not going to do anything about it. But what this basically says is that, you know, our elites look at our prime minister declaring war on his people, completely unjustified, and saying that was appropriate. That's concerning because what happens the next time a quote unquote emergency is declared and then these powers. So that's one problem. But the other problem that isn't being talked about is that at the end of the executive summary, which is really the meat and potatoes if people want to read the POEC's finding, at the end are some 50 plus recommendations or suggestions given by the commissioner. And wouldn't you know it? All of them have to do with a, as Bruce Party likes to call, a more inflated managerial state. We need this new commission. We need this. We need a, a new, pan, an international pandemic assessment uh, organized. So all, basically, we need more government jobs, a more overbloated managerial state, more power, yeah. more hands and everything. And so their answer to a peaceful protest that was about the state being tyrannical and controlling is hmm more yeah that's right more reach more hands and yeah. everything it's kind of
1: reminiscent of when people talk about the uh the socialist states that have failed and they're like well what we really need is more socialism yeah. Yeah. they it just weren't socialist enough it wasn't done right yeah, it, yeah we'll do it right this time yeah
0: yeah the overall climate of canada you know and i've i've it's funny i'm I'm not a pessimistic guy. I'm not, and I, like I said, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere, but objectively the overall climate in our country, and this, this also just comes off the heels of just this last week, Trinity Bible Chapel having their appeal squash at the Ontario yep. Court of Appeals. Yep. So their only play now is to appeal Supreme to the Supreme Court, Court which yeah. isn't going to, they're not going, I don't think they're going to pull their appeal anyway. So all of this together, you kind of look, you survey and you say, well... It appears that some rather dark days are coming for Canada because the whole, whether it's the media, the academy, the health industrial complex, the entertainment industry, all levels of elected officials. You've already mentioned that half of our federal cabinet are graduates of the WEF Young Leadership Program you know our deputy prime minister is on the chair of the WEF yep. Pierre Polievra had his page from the WEF surprisingly removed yep. once people were starting to wake up to WEF he recently was no friend of the convoy right he no, was asked no. point blank do you you know do you take back your support for the convoy now that the POEC and instead of saying no he did a political spin that looked like the the political version of ballet and he was twirling yeah. all over the place and so it looks like there are some dark days ahead for right. the true north strong and free. Objectively, that's what it looks like. It does, yeah,
1: and I know we, we talked about uh, having to do an episode at some point on, uh, on our differences in eschatology, but, uh, but that said, Andrew is an optimistic millennialist, which means he's almost there, right? And <laughs> almost where, <laughs> at the end of the millennium? <laughs> it's Almost to the, uh, the post-millennial uh, uh, gravy train. But we are both optimistic about the gospel's ability to impact culture and win the world. That said, neither of us have any theological difficulty saying that there are very dark days ahead for mm-hmm. Canada. And I think that's very true. So then, you know, back to my original question, why then stick it out? And why then would you and I, who care about people, we're both pastors at heart. We have a pastoral care for people. We want to see people thrive. We want to see people safe. We want to see people grow in their relationship with the Lord. And yet, both of us have advised many, many people to stay and to fight. People with kids, people with families, people who... Uh, of which
0: you and I are both those. A- absolutely. Yeah. We,
1: yeah, Andrew's kids are a little older than mine, but not much. We're both in the throes of young families and trying to disciple our kids. And it's no small thing for us to say that we are keeping our families here in this war zone. So I, I say all that simply to say, why is it that, that we, with these pastors' hearts of ours, and, and uh, these young families of ours, want to stay and fight... And it's because when you and I are both history buffs and we know history and we know that the men that we celebrate, the men who have shaped our theology, quite frankly, when you look back, they didn't sign up for easy lives in an easy place. We celebrate uh, you know, John Knox a whole lot more than, than even the Scottish Covenanters who came behind him because John Knox was the one who forged the way for the Scottish Covenanters. And you look at uh, the guy who comes to my mind, and I know you you have a book in front of you by John Bunyan, and I want to let you get to that. But the guy who always has come to my mind through all of this is Dietrich Bonhoeffer, right? So in the midst of everything that was going on in Germany in the late 30s and early 40s, Bonhoeffer was sounding the alarm. Bonhoeffer was attacked by his peers, by other pastors who said there's nothing wrong, pastors who had bowed the knee to the Nazi state. And Bonhoeffer had a way out. Not everybody knows this, but if you read Bonhoeffer's biography, he had a way out. He had a job. He landed in the United States. He had escaped Nazi Germany. And in his own memoirs, he wrote that the moment his foot touched American soil, he knew that if he ever wanted a voice— to be able to comfort his people after this tragedy that he needed to be there suffering with them in the midst of it. And he got back on the plane. He went back to Germany and he was murdered there. But the legacy of Bonhoeffer that kept the flame of the true church in Germany alive is the only thing that then saved it and brought it out of the ashes of all of the destruction that the Nazi mm-hmm. uh, regime had, had uh, done there. So uh, I know you got a book in front of you by, by John Bunyan, and we were both at the Church at War conference when uh, the Antichrist in his Ruin documentary was aired, talking a lot about John Bunyan. But you have a different book, not uh, of Antichrist in his Ruin, but you have a different book in
0: front of you, John Bunyan. Talk a little bit about John Bunyan. <laughs> So before I uh, read this quote from Bunyan and explain where it comes from I'll give a uh, some perspective to the question why stay because everyone's asking that question including friends in the states including other guys in the FLF network yep. have asked me what are you doing there yep I've had people right I've had solid brothers basically say to me listen there's an o- open door you come down here we got you right yep. we'll take so why stay there's a couple things the first one I think When I think about the Puritans who fled England, England was no joke. And it was, I mean, Bloody Mary was called Bloody Mary for a reason. Pastors were murdered. They were stripped of their churches. It was quite the scene. So the Puritans, by and large, fled England for the new world. And thus we have the United States and North America and all the blessings we received. So, I mean, praise God, they left. It was the right decision. But many men stayed in England, many faithful men. Had these faithful men not stayed in England, we would have no Spurgeon, no J.I. Packer, no John Stott, no Martin Lloyd-Jones. These men wouldn't exist. Now, I'll pick that first one, Spurgeon, because we're particular Baptists and we love him. (laughs) I would argue that Spurgeon, in the likes of men like Augustine, Calvin, is one of the greatest treasures... to the church and will be for history. I agree. In terms of his insight, his preaching, his commitment to his church, his love for Christ, his sometimes kind of awkward affection for Jesus with his (laughs) language. So Spurgeon is one of the greatest blessings to the body of Christ and will be for all time. I agree. He wouldn't exist if men didn't stay in England. Yeah. Neither would these other men I've mentioned before who you know, J.I. Packer's book, yeah. Knowing God, will continue to be yeah. a staple for, for decades and generations Mar- to come. Martin Lloyd-Jones right? with
1: Spiritual Depression, probably the best, The best last, The The last
0: yeah. of the Puritans, we yeah. would say, Martin Lloyd-Jones is the very tail end of it. Yeah. So we wouldn't have these men. So we can't presume to say that the Lord cannot bring from out of the rubble new life, which will be in many ways a greater blessing than the fleeing to another country. So when I think about the Puritans, what I think is that there is work happening here in Canada. People are getting saved and despite the tyranny of the state, people are coming to Christ. He's growing his church and there's work to be done here. And even if Western culture falls, which I think it will, Mm -hmm. it's incumbent on you and I to disciple our kids Mm -hmm. so that they disciple their kids so that when it's time to rebuild, and it will be time to rebuild, The church will do what the church has done for 2,000 years, which is build culture. That's right. So I'm giving my kids the instructions, the tools, and the materials to give to their kids so that when Canada falls and the dust settles, who's going to rise up and then rebuild a strong culture and a strong church? It'll be our kids and grandkids. Yeah. So that's I think that's my job. That's our mission yeah. is to get ready for that. We might not see the turnaround. I'm, I'm okay with that. But I know that the church... Will rebuild culture, and that the church will emerge strong. And so my job is to just move some dirt out of the way, put a seed in the ground, and then hand my son the watering can. And then long after I'm gone, the thing will be growing and strong. That's right. That's my job, and I'm okay with that. Now, if he turns it around, that's great. So that's the first thing I would say. Think of the Puritans and the legacy left by those men who stayed. Yep. This quote here from Bunyan. So the book is called Grace Abounding. I highly recommend the book. it's It's not a theological treatise. He basically outlines his life before he came to faith and how he clearly sees the grace of God evident when he was a non-believer. Hmm. And even though he's the way he speaks of his sin, it's like he's the worst sinner in the world. yeah. And then he does come to faith, but he still wrestles with doubts and sins and idolatry. and again, the fact that God would show him grace, even though he's such a wretch. So that's the whole point of this book. So he comes to a point where he talks about him being in prison. And it's toward the end of the book where he says, we were going to a prayer meeting and I knew for a fact, we'd heard word that the authorities would be there ready to arrest me if I showed up. And so he goes through this process of his internal monologue. What do I do knowing that they're going to arrest me? So this is what he says as he's thinking, do I go? Do I not? Right. People were saying, don't come, don't show up. So he says this, after this, I walked into the close where... I somewhat seriously, considering the matter, this came to my mind, that I had showed myself hardy and courageous in my preaching and had, blessed by grace, made it my business to encourage others. Therefore, thought I, if I should now run and make an escape, it will be of a very ill savour in the country. For what will my weak and newly converted brethren think of it, but that I was not so strong indeed as I was in word? And I feared that if I should run... Now there was a warrant out for me, I might by doing so make them afraid to stand when great words only should be spoken to them. Besides, I thought that seeing God of his mercy should choose me to go upon the forlorn hope in this country, that is, to be the first that should be opposed for the gospel. If I should fly, it might be a discouragement to the whole body that might follow after. And further, I thought the world thereby would take occasion at my cowardliness to have blasphemed the gospel, and to have had some ground to suspect worse of me and my profession than I deserved. These things, with others considered by me, I came and again to the house with a full resolution to keep the meeting and not to go away, though I could have been gone about an hour before the officer apprehended me. But I would not, for I was resolved to see the utmost of what they could say or do unto me. For blessed be the Lord. I knew of no evil that I had said or done. And so, as aforesaid, I began the meeting.
1: Mm -hmm. Amazing. Amazing.
0: Yeah. And then, like, I I won't read, but he talks later on about being in prison and being told, well, I'll just read this part. I have to. So (laughs) he's interacting with the authorities, and they're saying, okay, just stop meeting. If it's easy, stop meeting. Otherwise, we're going to put you back in for another three months, and after three months, we're going to excommunicate you, Right, Bunyan had a family, yep. and so they said, it's easy to get out. It's easy to get out. Uh, so he says this, I told him as to this matter, I was at point with him, for if I was out of prison today, I would preach the gospel again tomorrow by the help of God. And then he says this at the end, thus I departed from them, and I can truly say, I bless the Lord Jesus Christ for it, that my heart was sweetly refreshed in the time of my examination, and also afterwards at my returning to the prison. So that I found Christ's words more than bare trifles, where He saith, "I will give you a mouth and wisdom, which all your adversaries shall not be able to gainsay nor resist, and that His peace no man can take from us." Mm. That's why we're saying, "Absolutely." What does it say? We've you've talked about this before. What does it communicate to our kids? Yeah, to other people that we've said, "Be bold, stand firm." And again, because this is where, when I was talking with Steve Richardson about this last night, this is where the fight is now. It is. I told him I, I've been built for wartime. I'm not, <laughs> I've not been built. I'm far too contrarian, <laughs> far too skeptical, yeah. far too, I do well in conflict that I, I've not been built for peacetime. And yeah. so.
1: That's a really interesting segue to something that I think the Canadian church now needs to cultivate. I think that what we don't need in Canada is more Christians and more pastors who don't understand that we are in, in war, mm-hmm. right? What we don't need is more people who are trying to act like we're at peace when we're at war. Christians need to shift their mindset. Like Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. We are, we are called to imitate Christ. It's amazing. I just preached a couple of weeks ago on the cleansing of the temple. And, and, you know, we all like to say, oh, you know, Jesus, fashion a whip, and, you know, we should turn over tables like Jesus— But what we need to understand is that Jesus was both the lion and the lamb. There were times when he showed just an immense amount of grace and compassion where he spoke softly to people. But half a chapter later, you find him in confrontation where, and and it's not just the Pharisees came and confronted him. There's plenty of times where they're they're in the fringes. They're off in the corners of the crowd. And it says they thought something. And Jesus brings their thoughts and says, hey, you guys over there, you're thinking this. and And he rebukes them. There was a hardness to Jesus, right? He shows up, even the triumphal entry, right? We have this picture, and he, and he comes in <laughs> the, the quoting triumphal quoting of Psalm entry. 118. Yeah, yeah. And absolutely. they're like, blessed
0: is he. Yeah. And then he's like, the stone that the builders rejected is be the same, he quotes from the same psalm almost as a way to stick it to them and say, you're going to use this word one way, I'm going to tell you what's really going on. That's exactly You've right. you rejected me. That's yeah. exactly
1: right. And it's so, it's such a powerful picture when you picture it so he goes in he's been he's been welcomed to the city of god as the as the messiah king and it says he goes into the temple and it just says and he looked everywhere right there he is he's examining right and then he leaves and then he comes back the next day ready to just cleanse it right because he recognized what this was time for and i think what what we need is to cultivate that hardness that christians haven't had to have in canada for the last couple hundred years we we just really haven't because it's been peacetime, but it's different, right? When when the Judaizers came and threatened what Paul had done in Galatia— Paul writing to the Galatians says, you know, those guys who, you know, are just so enthusiastic about circumcision, I just mm-hmm. wish they'd castrate themselves. Yeah,
0: Paul didn't say, those guys are real meanies. Yeah.
1: Ex- it's a little stronger than that. Exactly. Yeah. And so, and you know, when, when Elijah recognized that that it's showdown time, he told the prophets of Baal to cut themselves harder, right? Yell harder, your God's going to the bathroom. So we have to recognize that there is a different disposition in Christians when the switch flips and it's now wartime. And it doesn't mean we, we become unkind. Kindness is still a fruit of the Spirit. Gentleness is still a fruit of the Spirit, but it's recognizing that there is an enemy. There are imprecatory psalms for a reason. God wants his enemies destroyed, and there are enemies that are threatening Canada, threatening your kids, threatening your grandchildren. And those enemies include all forms of wokeism, right? Transgenderism, homosexual ideology. It also includes those gospel coalition pastors who are telling them it's okay to be effeminate as long as you don't act on it in homosexual sex. That is an enemy of the church mm-hmm. that needs to be mocked because it is unbiblical, right? Everything from you and Shout I. Shout out just- to
0: the Gelding Coalition because yeah. <laughs> they excel at that. They do. Excel if you at don't it. follow the Gelding Coalition on social media, <laughs> you should.
1: It's good for a chuckle, but you and I were even on our way in here. You're talking to me about a, a talk that you're hoping to to be able to do, connecting, you know, the, the politics of six-day creation theology, right? That biologos and and this evolutionary mindset that seeped its way into the church, egalitarianism. These are enemies. And this is what has led the church to be as impotent as it is in this season of wartime. And so we need Christians who will not only fight the tyranny of the state and Lord knows we were weighed and measured and and the bulk of the Canadian church was found wanting Mm -hmm. in the ability to shepherd its people and protect them from tyranny. But on top of that, we also need shepherds who will mock these perverted, perverse ideologies and theologies that have infiltrated the church that have led to the softening of our men who, to the point where they're just not ready for war. Mm-hmm. And so if you, like Andrew, like me, were built for wartime, that's where we are in Canada. And I would say to people, Canadians who are thinking about moving away, maybe you're not built for this time, and if you want to move away, move away, but just recognize that this is a place where the Spirit of God is going to move, because the Spirit of God always moves when things get darkest, right? Post-tenebris luxe. And I would even say to those who are listening in the States, those who are listening elsewhere, if you're looking for a mission field, if you were built for battle, and you're not finding it in southern Texas, (laughs) move to Canada. It's also so this hot is, in Southern Texas. So, it is. Yeah. Man. Right.
0: Well, I think there's a way that we can also encourage, so that person that you said, maybe you don't think you're built this way. A couple words to them. The first one would be, I think you and I have experienced that courage begets courage. Amen. And yeah. so men, you know, so I'll, I'll call out Steve Richardson again. I've told him this, I've told people this, that part of what put it over the top for me to be even more bold saying, we're open, come and get us. Yep. We're open, we're meeting, we're not abiding by your mandates, was seeing him say, I can't let my brothers go to jail alone yeah. and I can't let them stand up alone. So when we see other people who are bold, so if you're that family, that person's like, I don't know if I've been, you know, if I'm ready for this, yeah. maybe you need to surround yourself with, connect with, be discipled by people who will help put some spine in your steel. Also, one thing we all have in common, guys who've taken a p- particular position, is we are all deeply indebted to our heritage of faith and men in the yeah, past. And so right. get your nose in some dead guy books. Yep. Read the Puritans. Read, read the, the reformers. Yeah, Read, read, about, read about these about men. Read about the
1: opposition that guys like Spurgeon faced. Read about Jim Elliott. <laughs> read about Bonhoeffer. Read about these guys. There's There's mm-hmm. so many of them. Absolutely. In terms of other practical examples, the other thing I would say— you might be listening to this. I don't know where you go to church, where, wherever this listener is. I would say it is vital during these times when there is such vulnerability that you ought to live in a place that is also strategic. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you and I were just talking about this. If you are living downtown Toronto, it might not be the best place for you and your family to stay and fight. But what you ought to do is find a good, like-minded church. I think those people who have woken up and they have been trying to be voices of change from within their asleep church, I think we're just getting to that time where it's it's time to say, this hasn't been fruitful. I need to go and find a community that's going to strengthen my family. Because I know, I know some of these guys and their families are weak and tired because they have not been ministered to in three years. Mm-hmm. And I don't say that to say that the pastors preaching aren't still expositing the scriptures. They are, but they are not giving you the tools that you need to live in Canada for the next two decades.
0: I'll say it. You need to leave those churches. Yeah. I'll say it. Even if your church has reopened up now that it's easy, if they haven't broached the idea of we were wrong, we shouldn't have done this, we played this wrong. If they haven't, I am telling you, dear listener, you must leave that church because the next wave of tyranny you will see these men buckle again. Yeah. And like you just said, Nate, they're not giving you what's needed to stand. Yeah. And so I'll also say at this point that you might be wondering, well, then where do I go? Well, this is where I'm a friend to you. That's right. Right?
1: Talk a bit about the Liberty Coalition. You can,
0: so I'll say at this point here, if that's the case, if you're like, I'm looking for a church, I'm thinking of a relocation somewhere else in the province, somewhere else in the country. But where do I find good, like-minded churches? And even churches of different flavors. Where do I find a... Baptist Church, where do I find maybe a United Reform Church? Where do I find whatever? People can email me, churches at libertycoalitioncanada.com. Some of the work I do with LCC, which we don't broadcast publicly as much as we do our other stuff, yep. is I connect with pastors around the country who've been faithful and freedom-minded, who've honored the crown rights of Christ, and I have helped— I've lost track at this point. It's gotta be at least hundred, maybe yeah. two hundred Canadians Several find families good churches.
1: From our, our church found our way yep. their way to us through Liberty Coalition. So
0: if you're look if you need to find a good church, a place where you can dig deep, you reach out to me and let me know. I yep. can connect you with a church and a guy that I can vouch for. And essentially we have guys like that in every province. Some provinces have a stronger resistance front than others. Generally yep. speaking, in Ontario, Alberta, and BC have the greatest presence of Freedom minded churches. And then the further east you go, it's a little bit more difficult. But there are still some there's still, you know, some, uh, some churches here and there. But you know, reach out. I can I can help you find a good church and help you get connected. And if I can throw a shameless plug for the work that we do, if you're thinking I want to know more about what's going on in Canada, I want to know about more about bills that are passing. I want to know about legislation. I want to know about what's happening culturally, geopolitically part of what we do with our shows is we want to not only inform and analyze, but we want to offer it from the perspective of a conservative, biblical, kind of theonomic perspective. Yep. And so we're going to help, we want to help Canadians assess what's happening in the world from the right lenses. Yeah. We're on the FLF network. So if you have the app, which you should get, our shows are on the app as well. I mean, you can find us on, well, not YouTube right now, but any <laughs> podcast catcher, you'll find us. Rumble is where you can watch our stuff. Go to Liberty Canada dot com. You'll find everything there. But we want to equip Canadians to think biblically and live as free men and women who have been freed in Christ to fight for liberty and freedom in our country.
1: me to plug andrew a little bit he's been doing some phenomenal work i would say that you know a lot of us as pastors of churches that have that have been blessed and have grown through this we just don't have the time to be as connecting as much as we need to, right? We don't want to be islands. We want to be connecting to like-minded brothers and, and without Liberty Coalition, I don't know if that connectedness would have remained as strong as all of us have been stretched in our, to our pastoral limits. So very thankful for the work that he's doing. And, be, and, and beyond that, um, the Liberty Coalition helps people who are getting in trouble politically from the woke police. You guys are helping a number of people. We don't need to go through all of it. We don't have the time to to talk about it, but lawyer on retainer, who is a a wonderful, good, godly Christian lawyer who is helping people out. If I was in
0: trouble with the state, I would want him to be my lawyer. Yeah, yeah.
1: absolutely. Me too. And, and I am. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And
0: End scene. And yeah. yeah.
1: So, you know, the the work you guys are doing is awesome. and And I would just say for those of you who are thinking through relocation and all that kind of stuff, and you're maybe convinced to stay and fight before you start thinking of where your job can relocate you, before you start thinking through where houses are more affordable, mm-hmm. those are all factors that should weigh in the most important thing is that you connect your family to a church that will equip you for yep. the days ahead. that's number one, number one. Yep. And so, so if you're thinking about relocation, if you, if you got your house up for sale, if you sold your house and, and you've been thinking, do I go to the States? Maybe you're sitting there waiting for a visa, whatever contact Liberty Coalition, ask where they're like-minded churches, go and find a community that will feed your family and prepare them for the days ahead because the days ahead are going to be dark. But by God's grace, after darkness comes light. Mm-hmm. And I think he's doing something special here that I think when we are all in glory, either Andrew is gloating to me or I'm gloating to Andrew about our eschatological particularities. Or, or someone or both, someone yeah, else is gloating yeah, to yeah, or, us, or, or, much or to, to our surprise. together, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if we are changing our theology in midair, as I often say. Um, Have you seen
0: that meme, by the way, where it's uh, Presbyterians during the rapture? And so it's a picture of all these people floating and there's this guy in a suit with his arms crossed, making a very sour face. <laughs> that's
1: right. Yeah. Be us. If that's us. Yeah. <laughs> what I want is when we are in glory and we're worshiping together, I, I want us to be able to look back and say that by God's grace we contributed to something that we can be proud of. Well, like
0: of. Paul says in Philippians two, right? When he's encouraging them at the end of Philippians two, he says, I pray that you would do everything without complaining or grumbling shining as lights in the universe in a crooked and depraved generation that's right in which you hold out the word of life so that i might be able to say on the day that i didn't run or labor in vain that's right that's someday i want to be hope. able to look back and say worth it yeah i was yeah. a part of that i yeah. got to be a part of that by god's grace and it was the blood the sweat the tears the suffering the loss the anxiousness the sleepless nights the whatever it was worth it yeah. i got to put one stone in this glorious temple that the Lord is building. Yep. And, and I'm happy with it. I'm happy with my lot in his kingdom purposes. That's Amen. our heart's desire.
1: Amen. I'll leave it there. Thanks so much for joining us, brother. Uh, LibertyCoalition.com
0: LibertyCoalitionCanada.com
1: LibertyCoalitionCanada. Liberty Can't forget that part, yep. yeah. And check out the Liberty Dispatch for sure. Thanks for being here.
0: Thanks, man.